Thanks for tuning in today. I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist. Join me as I seek out the small incremental changes being applied in other industries that we can learn from and that can be applied in healthcare. Can these changes bring immediate value, but also add up to the big improvements and revolution we need in healthcare? Come along with me to explore the possibilities. My innovative guests from around the globe have used small incremental improvements to achieve their moonshot. And today, I'm delighted to be joined by Timothy Cho. He is a board member, Stanford Cloud Computing Lecturer, and founder of Bevel Cloud, a pediatric moonshot. As we do each and every week, um, Tim, Timothy, if you would, tell us a, a little bit about your story to this point in your career, because it bears a lot of relevance to some of the uh, topic that we're going to cover today. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, thank you for having me. Uh, so as I say to my clinician friends, I have no medical background whatsoever. I have been in the IT side of the world uh, since the beginning of my career. My last uh, job was running the cloud computing business at Oracle. Uh, when I retired, I went back to Stanford and started up the first class on cloud computing there. And that's really the origin of all of what has gone on, or I call it my last great project, um, because I meet a guy who has an MD, an MPH, an MBA. He's chief of pediatric cardiology at the Children's Hospital of Orange County. And as you know, Dr. Anthony Chang has gone on to be a major, uh, let's call it advocate for AI in medicine, whether it's pediatric or adult medicine. And it's really Anthony who is um, a portal into the world of medicine and the world of pediatric medicine. And I yeah. learned things. I mean, go on. Uh, no, I was just going to say, I would say he's more than an advocate. He's a force force for uh, AI. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, we're, we're very lucky to uh, both know him and uh, be around him because uh, it's always a great pleasure to uh, uh, to see and hear what he's managed to achieve when I think in many years gone by, people were sort of, yeah, it's interesting, but not that interesting. So, um, yes. I, you know, highly relevant background um, and, uh, you know, lots of experience but you've really sort of narrowed this down into a focus uh, on Bevel Cloud. And mm -hmm. if you would, tell us a little bit about what the challenge is, what the problem is that you're solving, and a little bit of what, what the story is today. Yeah, so um, after after meeting Anthony, right, I, I came to learn that the healthcare system still uses CD-ROMs to pass data around, which I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and then obviously at the other end of the spectrum, if you're a student of what is going on in the world of AI and particularly deep learning, the only way we're ever going to build uh, image-based AI is we have to get access to large quantities of diverse data. Otherwise, you can't do this, right? And so I'm listening to all this, and my whole background's infrastructure software and I'm thinking, this is all the same problem. And so right at the beginning of COVID, mostly because we all got bored of watching too much Netflix, <laughs> uh, I brought a team together of infrastructure engineers, people I've worked with across the board, and we set ourselves a mission. We call it the pediatric moonshot, which is to reduce healthcare inequity, lower cost, 
and improve patient outcomes for kids locally, nationally, and globally. How? By creating privacy-preserving, real-time applications based on access to data in all 1 million healthcare machines in all 500 children's hospitals in the world. And when I say healthcare machine, I mean everything from imaging machines, ultrasounds, MRIs, CTs, et cetera, but all the way to bedside monitors, blood analyzers, gene sequencers, all of that fits into machines because that's really where the data is. I mean, the EMR EHR thing is a, just a giant billing engine with some notes in it, which is fine. I know why we have to have that, but that's not where the real, that's not the treasure trove. The treasure trove is sitting in the machines. So I, I, I can't disagree with you. Uh, I think that's exactly right. We've, we've struggled with this and, um, you know, through the course of my history, I've lived this experience of, you know, prior to the digital, uh, you know, when we moved from imaging into the digital world, that was uh, significantly painful. We had to sort of try and grab some of the old images, scan them. Uh, you know, I've tried to carry this around. To this day, I still receive a CD-ROM from every imaging study that I get, and I import it and carry that through. Why are we in this circumstance? I, I mean, it just doesn't seem like it should be that difficult, yet it clearly must be because otherwise it would have been fixed by now. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, I think some of the difficulty, and let, let me, I'll talk a little bit about our technology. Some of it is we haven't had the right technological approach until now. And then some of it, as all of you in healthcare well recognize, has to do with all these silos that are organized within hospitals, across hospitals that make any ability to build networks really difficult. So it's both sides, right? And we could get into privacy and other issues. But but let me just say, we took this mission and said, well, how the hell are we gonna do this, right? All million machines. So just like the original moonshot, we said we need to build a new rocket. So we built a new rocket. It is a highly decentralized in the building uh, cloud service, meaning that the servers. So if you took my class on the very first day at Stanford, I would say, well, what is Amazon or Google cloud? It's they buy a bunch of machines, they manage them, they put them in about 10 data centers in the world. Hmm. What is Bevel Cloud doing? Getting a bunch of machines, managing them. They just figured out how we could put it inside the building at the Children's Hospital of Orange County or at Bambino Jesu in the Vatican. Why does it need to be in the building, you might ask? Well, the only way you can talk to the ultrasound machine is you have to be on the network with the ultrasound machine or the blood analyzer or any of the machines I talked mm. about. So obviously, day one, we knew that security and privacy were gonna be the biggest issues. And the very first conversations we had with the IT departments, they all said NFW. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. We, we I was going to say that was going to be the. <laughs> yeah. We all, you know, because we've all been in this world. And so we know that that's what they're going to say. So we engineered over 30 different security and privacy features from the very get go because we knew this. 
so that we could securely do this, meaning be able to place a server inside the Children's Hospital of Orange County or uh, you know, any children's hospital or frankly, any building as you will hear in a minute. So 2022, we really dedicated to, okay, let's get out of PowerPoint and do this. And so 2022 was very much focused around deploying what we call edge zones, which is to put a server inside the children's hospital in the building in six, excuse me, eight different buildings on two, three different continents, right? So I'll say we exited 2022 feeling pretty good about, we knew how it could work. We had gone through security reviews. You can easily imagine this, right? Uh, BAA agreements. I mean, all of the you know things that are necessary to put something like this in place. Now, just to make an economic point about this, because we do all of this work, security work, right, uh, data use agreement, blah, blah, blah. Now, an application, a cardiology application or a radiology application does not have to go through all of that because we've done the underlying infrastructure. And unfortunately, what we've observed up until now is that a person who goes in and wants to build a sepsis prediction algorithm ends up having to build the full stack ends up having to deal with the question of, well, what? how are you securely attached to the bedside monitor? And how are you going to send the data? And is it encrypted? There's a bunch of IT questions, which obviously we have perfected so that the application people do not have to worry about this. Back to my analog of what are we really doing? It's not a whole lot different than what Apple did with the iPhone, right? Which is they built an infrastructure, a phone, they distributed it around the world. They gave you an operating environment, right, to write applications with. They gave you access to a camera. They gave you access to the temperature. They gave you access to location. And they invited the world to build applications. So we see now tens of thousands of applications on the phone. Fundamentally, we're not doing anything different. We have an infrastructure, we're deploying it globally. Uh, it's just that our camera is an ultrasound, our camera is an MRI, our camera is a blood analyzer. And so that's why beginning this year, we said, okay, if the phone had just arrived with the, no apps on it, you and I would have gone, oh, that's cool, but so what, hmm. right? So we focused ourselves on two major programs. One we call Mercury and the other is Gemini. So let me describe. So the Mercury program is a byproduct of us spending a lot of time with people in emergency medicine. Now, you can guess very early on, we spent a lot of time with people in cardiology because Anthony's cardiologist, right? But when we spent time with emergency medicine at Texas Children's or at UCSF or at Nationwide, we started hearing the same thing, which is that the kids arrive in the emergency room with no image. If they do arrive, it's on a CD-ROM that they cannot read. And then the guys at Texas Children said, you know, if we could have seen the image ahead of time, we would have told them, don't send the kid. So you're sitting there going, oh, come on, this problem, <laughs> you and I are just talking about this problem. How come it hasn't been solved, right? So I sat down with the head of trauma at UCSF and I said, Chris, 
there, there's software out there, Ombra Health, you know, Life Image. Isn't this a solved problem? He goes, no, because all that stuff is too complicated. We have to send training teams to Willits, California, which is in Northern California, to train them on how to use this software. And we're sitting around going, that makes no sense. <laughs> like, why is it that hard? So we have engineered an application which looks remarkably like Instagram. <laughs> so the tech, just to make a point of it, we engineered this not for like sophisticated children's hospital. It's like a clinic in a shopping center in Dallas, right? So, okay, the tech walks over to the x-ray machine. There's QR code. You scan it. Up pops the x-ray images from the past 24 hours. Select, select, select. Share with Texas Children's. Share with Children's of Dallas. Done. Not, not much different than how everybody is using Instagram to share, right? Mm -hmm. Images. Of course, our images are x-ray images. So Mercury is all about building out a nationwide network. We're actually in conversations with a couple of people about making this global, uh, but it's basically the same idea. How can we simplify image sharing? So for those of you just joining, I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist. Today I'm talking to Timothy Cho. He's a board member, Stanford Cloud Computing Lecturer, and founder of Bevel Cloud, a pediatric moonshot. We were just hearing some of the details and specifically around Mercury. Uh, you know, I'm a space nut, so I'm obviously a big fan of this, uh, you know, naming convention and uh, wondering what Apollo is. But we just covered Mercury and you talked about that going uh, global uh, with some, uh, you know, opportunity in the future. But before we, we dive in a little bit more, tell us about Gemini. Uh, very good. So Gemini is the other end of the problem. So if you think about what we're doing with Mercury is it's a, a very simple application that now deploys not only in children's hospitals, but to regional hospitals, clinics, et cetera, right? So we get the infrastructure in place. So now I can share with a human, right, to get a human's expertise. But as we've all talked about, hey, there's not enough pediatric cardiologists in the world. Uh, there's only 300 of them in India. Rwanda has a single pediatric cardiologist. Uh, yes, Toronto has 50 of them, but go to Thunder Bay and there's zero. Even in our great state of California, you know, find a pediatric cardiologist in Salinas or Modesto is not so simple to do, right? So obviously it would make sense if we could take the knowledge of our best pediatric cardiologist or radiologist and build AI applications to go do this. But the key to building AI applications is you must have access to large quantities of diverse data. Up until now, even um, there was just a paper released by Matt Lundgren, who used to run the AI medicine program at Stanford and Praneve is over at, at Harvard. And basically it's a study of the state of the art of radiological AI, and it's pretty poor, meaning they say, hey, it works great on the test data set, but just go put it into the real world and it fails. Hmm. Well, that's because it's no different than if I trained a car to drive in Palo Alto autonomously and then I moved to Atlanta 
and wonder why it's crashing into things. It's the same thing. You have not shown it enough data to train on it. But we're sitting here going, hey, man, there's plenty of data. The 500 children's hospitals in the world generate about 6 million terabytes of data a year. To put that in context, NIH has been on a five-year program to build an imaging data commons. They're at like 44 terabytes. I mean, the amount of data is gargantuan. Okay, so what's the problem? What, we've got plenty of data. What's the problem? And the problem is the approach that we've used to build ChatGPT or ImageNet or any of the things in the consumer side will not work in medicine. So the technique today is to deliver a centralized architecture. So I will bring all the images of dogs and cats. I'll bring all the text, right, to a central location, and then I'll split it into training data sets and test data sets, and I'll train up my chat GPT, right, on that. That's the methodology. The challenge of that is, okay, let's go play the game of our pediatric cardiology example. Okay, 6 million terabytes. Where are we going to put it? Well, let's go put it in Ireland. That's, that's a good place. Okay, who's going to pay data transfer from Rome to, to Ireland, from Ireland to San Francisco, from Ireland to Boston, et cetera? I mean, who's going to do that? How would you ever build a real-time system sitting in Ireland, right? Mm. And finally, what about privacy? Uh, one of our key core team members is a former student who has 15 years of privacy law experience. So we engineered around privacy management on day one. One of the central tenets of privacy management is purpose limitation. When you aggregate a whole bunch of data at some site, you got to go, what are you going to do with it? Uh, uh, we're going to do good stuff with it. No, 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 no. And obviously our European friends can talk about data sovereignty issues, data residency issues, et cetera. So the trick question becomes, I got those 6 million terabytes, but how do I learn in a decentralized architecture? Right. And so we are borrowing technology that was developed on consumer side, referred to as federated learning, right? Which powers Siri. Siri is not sending your voice print to the Apple cloud at all. It's learning on your phone, learning locally, and only transmitting model parameters. Mm, right. We've done early work that says the same thing can be true. So we can learn on the data in the children's hospital in Delaware without it ever leaving Delaware, or in the children's hospital in Chicago without it ever leaving Chicago. Uh, and that is what Gemini is all about. We are building an AI lab, a research lab for children's medicine which will initially start with 100 ultrasounds, twin to 100 servers on six in six locations on two continents. And we will provide a very simple neural network application referred to as ejection fraction measurement. And we will use that to help ourselves understand one, what federated learning frameworks work the best. Most of these were developed for the consumer side as well as what methodologies work the best to be able to build accurate AI algorithms. And that is the, we're gonna expand it to 32 sites, all imaging machines, 
in the first year and a half of, of the Gemini program. So Gemini is a research lab for us, the collective us, the clinicians, the tech people, to really push the state of the art of AI in, in children's medicine. And that's the purpose of Gemini. Reminds me a lot of the SETI, uh, original SETI um, program that distributed little uh, modules. I know it's not exactly the same, but the same kind of principle of using that sort of diverse computing uh, and powering all of this. I mean, similar principles. Obviously, uh, or at least, uh, you know, to, to my understanding, that solves or resolves some of the privacy problems because you're not transporting or transmitting that data you're allowing access or you know giving access through the secure channels that you've created through uh, the mercury program you, mm -hmm. you've repeatedly said throughout all of this pediatric and i'm going to ask because you know i'm a little bit biased you know maybe you know somewhat interested because i'm no longer in that zone <laughs> is is this just for pediatric or are we seeing are we going to see this in you know broader categories yeah um i have obviously been asked that question um we you know we're a young venture and one of the things about young ventures is you have to have focus and so we feel like this is a good focus. Mm. Uh, it's a mission worth accomplishing. Uh, but obviously, the ultrasound does not know what hospital it's in. And I just explained that Mercury is going to put edge zones in non-children's hospitals. So the techniques that we are, are implementing are all equally applicable to adult medicine. Uh, but I, you know, back to focus you know, let, let's let's accomplish this mission. And then, you know, it's no. the, the, the portability into adult is there. For, fully respect that. I think, you know, there are yeah. many startups that fail because of diversification and lack of focus. So I fully understand that. So um, as you think about the future, and I'm, I'm going to guess now, uh, the next program, Apollo, what's what's coming there? <laughs> and you can tell yes. me if that's not the right name. <laughs> It is a good thing about using this convention, at least, at least for all of us old people that remember all these names, right? <laughs> oh, come on. It inspired us. Let's be clear. At least it did me. Well, hey, uh, I actually uh, declined a job at IBM to go work for NASA. Oh, I, I okay. Make me even more envious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I wanted to be a rocket scientist. So, uh Apollo, uh, at least for us, and we're not putting much effort into this right now, is really when you put the two things together. Because what I described as a research lab, which will hopefully build a lot of very interesting applications in cardiology, radiology, et cetera. There's the next step, as everybody knows, which is, okay, I've got the software. Now, how does this go into production, right? And really, Apollo is where the two things come together, right? We've got the applications, and now we've got the infrastructure to layer it into so that we can now bring the two pieces together and we'll be on the moon. As Fantastic. Well, and, and then we'll be going further than that because obviously there's many, many more applications. I mean, 
you you've you've taken one of those wicked problems in healthcare which i think to those outside seems always a little bit obscure as to why that would be a wicked problem gosh it's just an image you know and we do we all use instagram and you know share photos and whatever and you know security plays some degree to that but it's not always centered on that there's many many layers to this i think you know the thoughtful approach that you've identified, built for this, and created this infrastructure around a very focused problem that, you know, people can get behind. I think that's also um, elegant in that, you know, pediatric sharing of images and, you know, children, our future, and, you know, we're underserving them, as you described with people arriving in emergency rooms that shouldn't be and, you know, lack of sharing of imaging. very exciting time. I'm obviously excited about it from a personal standpoint, but, um, you know, recognize it's not going to hit my area of uh, uh, utility for a little bit of time. But I think the AI learning opportunity that you described around uh, Gemini um, is really going to be extraordinary in terms of the opportunity, because as we now centralize that data, we've got a much more robust data set. And importantly, deals with some of the bias that we've seen as a result of these very segmented or you know narrow focused data points. Unfortunately, as we do each and every week, uh, we've just run out of time. So just remains for me to thank you uh, for joining me on the show. Timothy, thanks for joining me. Well, I really appreciate you having me and, you know, getting the story out to people. And we always tell people, you know, it took 40,000 people to get to the moon. So we're always eager to have people join the mission because it isn't going to be done with just a couple of people. So thank you for being part of that. Thanks for joining me today. Do you have any better ideas or have you found a small incremental change that's brought about a big improvement in your world? Let's continue the conversation on our hashtag, The Incrementalist, or share with me at DrNick1 on Twitter. You can find more information about the show on our program page at healthcarenowradio.com. And tune in next time to hear my discussions with leaders and innovators from around the globe who've revolutionized their space by using small incremental improvements to achieve their moonshot. I'm Dr. Nick, The Incrementalist, and I'm starting a revolution through evolution. 